HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you some in the end. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen. Gentlemen, there's there's a thing we have to talk about and <laughs> it it came up last week and we didn't talk about it on last week's show but it hasn't gone away it's actually if anything it's like a gotten bad, more prominent it's like a bad golf <laughs> we have we have to address it southern what the fuck is up with mountain Sues? uh yeah it's 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 not gonna go away i don't think um so this this was and one of those sort of i guess happy accidents um, I was having some people over in my backyard as I have been doing since I moved into this new apartment. And one of those folks was Robert Simonson, good friend to the show here. Uh, and we started talking about cocktail names that drive the cocktail. And, uh, a couple that came up were like the Ferrari, which is just a shot of, uh, Fernet and Campari, the, the, the Maserati, Mezcal and Ramazzotti, just simple, like one and ones like that. And somehow someone said mountain Sioux. Uh <laughs> they both have the same color sort of uh, uh you know and 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 so Sioux, i don't know if you know here in new york anyway has been very difficult to get for several months because it, it swapped uh um distributors so it's been kind of out of stock or unreachable because there's always a gap in between when it switches when, when a product switches um so finally got a hold of some at the bar and then this idea kept creeping around in the back of my mind so i brought a bottle home and it literally sat on my kitchen counter for several days, and I was just sipping on some Sioux and ice. But, and finally, I stopped and picked up a bottle of Mountain Dew, which, by the way, is shockingly difficult to find. Um, yes, it is. I went to like yes, it is. four different stores to find Mountain Dew. Um, and you don't, don't drink know. sodas anyway. I don't. So I don't. Yeah, so you probably I don't didn't know. even know where to look. You probably well, went to no, a pet food store or something. Bodega, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bodegas and whatnot, but I guess it's a it's a it's a Pepsi, it's a Pepsi product, or I don't know which which one it is, Coca Pepsi. But anyway, if if Bodega or store doesn't carry that that uh, line, you can't find. It. Finally, found a bottle that ended up sitting on my counter for several days, and finally, I was motivated to just make the highball, um, and I filmed it and posted it on my Instagram, and it kind of went a little bit crazy um, in the bar world. Uh, so much so, in fact, that a limited edition T-shirt was made by Mover and Shaker. Um, <laughs> uh, those already have, uh, uh, I believe, sold out. But you never know; those guys always say it's done, and then it's not quite done. Um, and uh, I've been reached out to uh, by Punch. They're going to write an article about the Mountain Sioux and other what I call, anyway, oddball highballs. Um, and so I got people to list ones that they enjoy, maybe secretly. It's almost like a, you know, guilty pleasure. Um, so lots of them sound pretty interesting to me. Um, one that really jumps to mind is a Coca-Cola and Quinato, which is sort of like an upgraded version of the Calimocho, right. which is yeah. just red wine and Coca-Cola. Lots of folks mentioned, and you know, I just started uh, Cafe L'Enfer, which is absinthe and champagne. Lots of folks mentioned that they drink sh- the absinthe and root beer. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, totally. Oh yeah. I, yeah, that's a thing. I had never even heard of it. Uh, and it sounds, you know, again, intriguing. So I don't know. I think there's, there's something there to the sort of highball 
or rather uh, highbrow, lowbrow combinations. Lowbrow, highball. Yeah, lowbrow, highball, oddball, highball. I don't know. Uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and I was shocked to see it. And lots of folks also came forward and said, you know, I do drink things like this and I feel guilty about it. And I don't say anything. And to see someone, you know, like you, whatever that means, come forward and, and say that this is pretty fucking good. Um, kind of like, I don't know, I feel like I, I gave people license to be a little bit more silly. And I think we need that right now. For sure. You know, Did you, uh, I mean, what were the uh, documented effects of this drink? I mean, oh, because it's, it's, it'll do the job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say the first one that I made, the one that I made on video uh, was, uh, you know, I just went straight at it. I, uh, no rehearsal, no practice. You see me crack open the Mountain Dew, the first one I bought in over 20 years. Um, and I, um, I lifted up to my lips and I, I'm shocked and surprised at how good it is. Even at 50, 50, uh, I made the second one off camera for myself uh, closer to 60, 40. Uh, and then uh, I made a third one off camera that was probably still closer to 60, 40. And I augmented with a bit of Angostura to kind of dry it out a little more. Uh, since then I've made it also with, um, wormwood bitters, which I think is even better than the Ango sort of ties in better with the Sioux flavor, um, to dry it out some, cause you, you can't deny the Mountain Dew is very right. sweet. Right. <laughs> Uh, but the floral sort of citrusy nature of Mountain Dew tied with the very floral and grassy nature of Sue's, it's a combination that I certainly wouldn't refuse on a hot summer day. You know, um, I think I think I wish I would have. We had this conversation literally months ago, again, at a backyard right. cookout. <laughs> I wish I would have done it before summer was winding down, because I think that now isn't necessarily the time for this drink. But again, I would not for one second refuse this drink on a hot day. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I tried it and I love the whole like low brow, high brow concept. I love kind of like, you know, my, my secret guilty pleasure is uh, scotch and root beer. I love it. There's no reason why it works. It just does. But I just, I don't like Mountain Dew. I just don't care for it. And I'm, and I'm furious with you, Souther, that I had to go out and like you seek out Mountain Dew, yeah. which was difficult to find, yeah. and then turn money from my job, from whatever it is that I do, into Mountain Dew at a store, <laughs> and then put it into my body, my where I live, Souther, yeah. and <laughs> right, enjoy right, it. Right at home. Uh, and and now I'm in this position where I'm like, I might have to go out and buy more Mountain Dew because I kind of liked it. You're right. It was a, it was a, I, I love surprising flavor combinations like that, but I'm still a little bit upset that now I have Mountain Dew in my refrigerator. Oh man. Mountain Dew is a mountain don't for me because I mean, like I, I, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't do caffeine. So oh yeah, you're I, out I out haven't of, tried it. race right there. It's, yeah, I think it's, and, 80% caffeine. <laughs> yeah. And, and they don't make, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's not like Coca-Cola or Pepsi where they make a caffeine free version. Uh, it, Mountain Dew is known for their, caffeine. Oh, no, they know, they know why you're there. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So. It's a precursor to a, a, you know, energy drink. I think, I don't know. I would, I could see Sue's doing well with uh, like things like Ting or squirt. Sure. Um, you know, or even just a uh, Haritos. Uh, I don't know. One of the, one of the more citrusy ones. Anyhow, okay. uh, you know, who knew it would work? You know, <laughs> you don't know until you try with these weird things. Uh, and that's exactly why I tried. Um, yeah. Well, it's probably going to be, you know, next summer's like big banger, right? I mean, now that the uh, it's it's already caught on pretty quickly, but, uh, you know, I, I can imagine it being around for a while. Uh, I mean, I hope so. Uh, we'll see. Uh, T-shirts will be out there and people will be wearing them. Um, and we'll we'll see if it gains any you more think, you any think more this is going to be a pepsico's answer to like hard topo chico you know coca-cola finally <laughs> oh, got into the hard seltzer game you think I, that we're going to see like spiked mountain dew i would love to see any uh thing out there that's that's spiked with uh you know amari or or similar that's that's certainly my wheelhouse so i'd love to see that uh speaking of who knew it would work uh, 40 botanicals from around the globe collected by stanislaw kobe kobe Kobiant, ah, God damn it, I always butcher his name. Kobianchi <laughs> uh, from Amaro Montenegro. Uh, who knew that stuff would work? Except maybe our friend Tad, who's in the studio with us today. Tad, welcome to the studio. Thank you, my friends. That was the hardest segue I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> from you did Mountain, well. From Mountain Dew to Montenegro, uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, Tad, uh, you've been working with Amaro Montenegro, one of my favorites. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm not shy at all about saying that. Um, for a couple of years now. Um, talk to us a little bit about Amaro Montenegro. 
Well, other than the fact that it is very near and dear to both my heart and liver. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to, uh, to be working uh, with the brand. It's, it's a brand that, like you, I've known and loved for, for many years and used in my cocktail programs and, and behind my own bars. Um, and it's just, it's just one of those brands that almost has its own sort of persona or, or lifeblood or, or energy. And I think that's why uh, so many of us in the industry uh, have an affinity for it. Uh, what would you like to know about Amaro Montenegro? You just said uh, yeah. that 40 botanicals and it's uh, Stanislav Kobianki, C-H. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah. I would like uh, to, I mean, like true or false, is Montenegro the Italian translation to Mountain Dew? <laughs> I, I, th I thought that was the whole point of this segue in the whole. Yeah, the base uh, of the that show. was a better. That would have been a better segue. Let's back up and do it again. Yeah, and uh, if, if, if we can back up for we'll a second, I I feel like I need to comment on the mountain on the mountain. Oh yeah, jump in. Yeah, yeah. I fully support it. Um, full a hundred. I'm a hundred percent behind it. Uh, I think it's a it's a great way, especially to maybe bring people who are uninitiated to um, to bitters, um, kind of bring them into the fold. I've uh, done similar things with, with Amaro highballs or, or spritzes. My one caveat is that if you're going to, if you're going to pour some Sous into a glass with some Montenegro, you need to serve some like appropriate canapes, maybe Doritos with, uh, like truffled <laughs> mascarpone or something, uh, piped onto them. I mean, you know, the, I think the, um, uh, sort of proliferation of of these uh what, what did you name it say lowball highballs or or even just sort of the the you know the use of what we would consider maybe lower ingredients with higher ingredients i mean that that's certainly been around in food for forever you know uh prince and the pauper is is the, what they call it in the food world where you have like i don't know something as simple as a, a lightly poached uh red skin potato but it's topped with caviar you know yeah. uh, or things like that yeah um so i you know i don't think this we're creating this methodology but i do see that it's a way for people to embrace things that maybe that they're unfamiliar with yeah put, for sure put, put it with something they're familiar with and they'll be like oh i'll give that a try when when we opened uh we had a, a, a bar called the tippler under chelsea market that we yeah. opened in, in 2012 and one of the original cocktails That's was called the, thank you uh one, one of the original cocktails on the menu was called the top cat uh and it's something that i i, I still make and serve and, and drink to this day and it's Amaro with a little fresh strawberry, some lemon juice, and Fanta orange soda, um, and it it very quickly became, I think, our number two or number three best selling cocktails. We were we were selling like fifteen, sixteen hundred of them a month, all all being served to people who had absolutely no idea what Amaro was. As a matter of fact, most more often than not, people came up to the bar and said, "Like, can I have that drink with a moray in it? It's like yeah. sort of orange, made with um, love." <laughs> yeah, it's made with love. I said, "I was like, listen, 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 my dear, they're all made with love." But yes, you may have, you may have that <laughs> one for sure. The tippler was a, a real blast. I like you guys came on to the scene back in 2012, uh, and you know that was to me 2012. 2011 that's when things were really starting to explode in the cocktail world you know i mean like it all started you know about 10 years before that in new york city but it was such a insider baseball kind of thing where it was like you you had to have i mean and no joke i mean like you had to have like a password or even a key to uh some of these certain speakeasies and that's when the 2011 2012 is when things started exploding to a point where you could have fun with it and have like orange fanta and a cocktail. Yeah, things became more inclusive right around that time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and that was I mean, that was our intention at the Tipler. We wanted to have sort of a uh, a destination neighborhood bar that could really have uh, a, a very diverse uh, clientele all packed into the room at the same time, all listening to great music and and being able to drink great beers and champagnes and wines as well and have uh, top-notch cocktails, but without some of the, the preciousness that I think had proceeded for, you know, for, for that decade or so before and just get back to being a bar and having fun. 
yeah, I but think I, everybody as I re- yeah, as I recall, it was large enough to where I, I, I recall going to some cocktail competitions there. Yeah, yeah it was so, a huge cavernous yeah, space, huge sort of semi underground or. Uh, and and uh, and always packed with folks. Yeah. Yes, always packed. Which is and, we're, and we're referring to it as if it's posthumous, but the the tippler is actually still uh, alive and, and kicking and going strong. Uh, I haven't had anything to do with it in a number of years, but it's still uh, a really fun a really fun bar. Oh, that's yeah. good to hear. I, had, I was under the impression it was gone. Uh, you know, with with the pandemic, you don't you just never know. You have to kind of gingerly walk around these things. Um, so I'm definitely glad to hear that it's still there. There's ginger in Montenegro, if I, uh, if yes. I recall. There is. Well, it, I, I, it is not one of the uh, dozen uh, publicly disclosed botanicals out of the 40. Uh, but if, if, if I were a betting man. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah I think I, one of the things I love about Amaro Montenegro in general, and uh, we don't have to go on about how much I do love the stuff because I'm, pretty vocal about it already, uh, is that they are, in the Amari world anyway, probably the most disclosure of any brand out there. Um, I like to think that maybe I had a little bit of a hand in that when I talked to them about how the American consumer simply isn't as risk-taking as the European consumer. You know, we see a bottle, we want to know some flavor notes or some ingredients, uh, whereas generally speaking, Amari hide that stuff. I'm really glad to see that Amaro Montenegro is pretty transparent about what goes on in the bottle. Yeah, we try to be and, and uh, hopefully kind of ever more so as we progress over the, the next couple of years as well. But you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's, there's this mystique uh, and, and mystery and proprietary secrets that surround so, so much of this, the whole sort of aperitivo digestivo category. Uh, and, Yes, it's fun, and the the Italians are sort of, are very proud of it. But I remember when I started working with Amaro brands more than a decade ago, trying to make that that translation or that jump, saying, you know, American bartenders, American consumers, we want to know, we want the stories, we want to know what's in it, so that we can, you know, as spirits industry professionals, we can share those stories with our with our consumers and our guests. And, and I remember just these perplexed faces, like, why, why do you need to know these things? I was at one particular facility. I will not say where, but it's somewhere in the pretty far South in Italy. And I was on a a VIP sort of tour and we went past the botanical room and the door was just sort of like slightly ajar. And that sounds like an open invitation to me. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and what you could see. Open, I'm slightly yeah. going in. Yeah, and it was like this very composed, <laughs> curated view that you got of these like giant hanging muslin bags and things like that. Uh, and then they quickly ushered us past, and the whole group went. And of course, I strategically placed myself at the end of the line, and I did one of those like creepingly sort of Tom and Jerry. Uh, on the tiptoes, uh, but backwards. And I knew I wasn't going to have much time, but I shoved my head through the door and looked around and it's this massive room uh, with all kinds of uh, containers, some wood, some stainless steel, all these bags everywhere. And the smell was just overwhelmingly, incredibly delicious. And I just, I knew I had about 10 seconds to see whatever I could see and just take a mental snapshot of it. And I swear to God, my head was in the door for like two and a half seconds and there was a hand on my shoulder. Uh, I turned around and I <laughs> there's this this very stoic uh, person who worked there just giving me the finger wag back and forth. Uh, <laughs> and and I and didn't say anything. And I said, no, 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 come on, come on. We're we're American bartenders. We have to know these things. Everybody wants to know. And I got a sum of things and not for you to know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, so, and then I woke up three weeks later in Sardinia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes, with Amaro Montenegro, we, we definitely want uh, there to be transparency. We want to disclose. I think we there's uh, a slightly more uh, modern, progressive mindset behind it. You know, we're, we're steeped in history, uh, 136 years of history and, and authenticity and heritage and artisanship. But we're also uh, much more geared uh, for for cocktails, for um, American bartenders and consumers. And we, we just, and we like to have fun. Yeah. I think there's such a big part of, of American bartending that is storytelling. 
you know, it's, it's creating that experience. And I know that, you know, when, when you're in Italy, most of the bars, the, the old school bars, they don't, they don't have bar seats. It's more like counter service. You don't get that connection as, as you do, like say you're in New York city, right. in, in a cocktail bar, people go there cause they want to learn. They want to know about these things so they can re tell the story and, you know, kind of, I mean, honestly, people just want to flex to their friends and, you know, like about how yeah, much sure. they know. And yeah. so it's one of those things where if they have the inside scoop on something like Mar Montenegro or, or select Deportivo, you know, like it's, it's something that they, everyone wants to be like the bon vivant and like the consummate host, you know, and to, be that person you you got to have all the details right yeah and so it's it is fun it's also kind of like i feel like uh being like a spirits enthusiast and cocktail enthusiast is it's like a it's like a collector's sport you know it's a you, you kind of you travel the world <laughs> and you pick up things like you know rum rum from cuba that you can't get here and certain amari that you can't get in the united states and like bottles of wine things like that so it is it is that pursuit you know that really gets us going. And I know yeah, that right. and, 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 and in that same vein, right? You know, you know, I'm, I always say I'm a, col- a consumer, not a collector, but I think that part of that collection process is collecting intel and stories yeah. and, and yeah, uh, you know, having that, uh, you know, that, that, that cocktail fodder to, to talk about, you know, it's the experiences, oh, sure. you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's absolutely. collecting the experiences. And, right. and, and just like you do with the, whatever juice it is, you want to share those things. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I'm very lucky with both of those because with Select Aperitivo and Amaro Montenegro, we have these really rich uh, stories as to the, <clears throat> the the birth and the creation of the of the two different brands. Um, and I have done everything I, I possibly can over the, the time that I've been working with them to really kind of push with the right people uh, to delve further into uh, the stories. But you know, for instance, Amaro Montenegro, known the world over, uh, probably the most recognizable bottle on a back bar, at least in terms of uh, shape, uh, and considering how many bartenders have it tattooed somewhere on their person, uh, you know, it's 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 iconic. But this stuff was was invented, created, formulated by a twenty three year old kid. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's amazing to me because I know when I was 23, I, w- I wasn't doing a damn thing that anybody wanted to remember, including myself. Uh, <laughs> Those but, were my prime like hard liquor and soda mixing oh, days yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah. I peaked <laughs> for like my Mountain Sue's creation potential then. It's been downhill ever since. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just the, the fact – and it was the product of basically uh, Stanislaw Kobianki, the founder – telling his parents to screw off, uh, taking their money and jumping on a ship and sailing around the world for a few years to kind of sow his wild oats or, you know, experience different cultures. And um, along the way, as he visited different parts of the globe, he was he was sort of a a tinkerer in uh, things alchemaic and in botany and, and horticulture. So as he, as he went around and, and had these experiences, he was journaling and documenting and collecting samples of, of different, what we would call botanicals, uh, from these different places. And when he came back, you know, at 23, again, he took, he, he, he took his parents' money, built a distillery. I wish I had that, uh, luxury. Who knows? Maybe it would have been doing something more, more memorable. Um, but he created this stuff. And, and, and it's, what I love is that we still, uh, 136 years later are using his same recipes, same uh, general formulations and, and processes and everything. Uh, but to know that I have that to be able to tell to bartenders that clicks because it's personal, it humanizes, uh, it's not a brand that was that you know just has all of this history it it brings it to a much more sort of personal human uh level and i think that's part of the reason why it resonates with with uh so many so many of us in the industry yeah i mean i think it's there are two very important parts here and i think this 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 product achieves both of them which are obviously first and foremost it's delicious second to that though it does have a great story that 
is true. That's another thing. It's true. Uh, a lot of these stories we hear aren't. Um, that's true. And you can share it. And it's a, it's a good story to share. Um, speaking of sharing, let's uh, pause for a moment and hear from our sponsors. And we'll come back and we'll keep talking to Tad about Select Aperitivo and how, uh, how it, it, it's the creator of the Venetian Spritz. Stand by, everybody. Applications are now open through December 1st for world-class U.S. 2022 season. Souther, didn't you, weren't you in world-class? I was uh, two years in a row. The first two years it was done here in America. And I think without any hesitation, it was uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had in the, in the sort of bartending competition uh, world. Um, made some great friends that I still hold on to today and really learned a lot about A, bartending in general, and B, I learned a lot about myself. Um, it was great. Like what? What did you find out? <laughs> uh, well, I learned like, you know, how to be a little bit more like you're, you're, you're actually left-handed or? or well, I'm ambidextrous. Okay, uh, you're, you're the lefty. Um, <laughs> I learned how to be a little bit more poised and uh, and more thoughtful about the way that I approach bartending. Um, you know, we always say, you know, you're on stage when you're bartending. In this right. scenario, you are literally on stage um, and the world is watching. World class is the largest uh, competition of its kind in the world. Uh, and uh, I think it really brings out the best in you and it brought out the best in me. That's amazing. I, I've seen some of the, the competitions. Um, I didn't get to see yours, but I wish I had that somewhere documented. <laughs> I'm sure I can find it. It's probably on their website. It was the first two years, so it wasn't open to the public like it is now. I think that adds another layer to have uh, have the public be able to view it as, as it goes along. It's pretty cool. Uh, as mentioned, it's the biggest competition in the industry. Applications, as you said, are now open to all hospitality professionals, 21 and older. All you have to do is check it out uh, at DiageoBarAcademy.com, uh, where they have all the resources you need to prepare yourself to be a world-class bartender. Uh, whether you're a seasoned bartender or just getting started in your career, visit DiageoBarAcademy.com and click on the World Class tab for more information. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com and we're back you're listening to the speakeasy on heritage radio network and today in the studio we have ted carducci ted we actually work with the same group um i represent the premium california brandies with the california brandy house for nj gallo and you are the director of outreach and in uh, trade engagement for grupo montenegro which is partner brand with nj gallo as well so um I, I, I'm really excited to talk about Montenegro, but we did talk a little uh, Southern mentioned at the end of the first half that, uh, you know, select Aperitivo is part of that portfolio. And uh, honestly, I I've had it. I would like to learn more about it. Um, I think we all would. Uh, and especially with the Venetian spritz and kind of the story of the origin story of that and how that all came about and, and what we're seeing from that today. Can you enlighten us? I can indeed. Uh, well, the first thing that uh, your listeners need to know is that Select Aperitivo is absolutely friggin' delicious. Uh, it's such a dynamic, versatile, really super balanced uh, aperitivo. It's sure aperitivo. you wouldn't be on the show today if it weren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, Select also has a great, uh, great story. Uh, it was created in 1920, and it was created by two brothers who were actually from Bologna, which is where Montenegro uh, is from. And they were young entrepreneurs. Uh, Venice had just just come out of uh, World War One, um, so uh, you know culturally, economically, Venice was in was in big trouble. Um, so they decided that rather than start their distillery in Bologna, they would move to Venice and create their product there. And they did, and they, and they built a distillery kind of right in the historic, uh, part of Venice. And, um, wait, there's a historic part there, of Venice? <laughs> isn't it isn't that what it's all, is? yeah 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 all right to the venetians the, okay, gotcha, gotcha. the, histor <laughs> the historical part of venice uh so they kicked it off in, in 1920 and it became pretty instantly it became uh a hit what's cool about select um you know we're, we're talking fascist italy um very national nationalistic everything had to be very italian uh, so when you think of spirit, uh, famous Italian uh, spirits brands, there it's always an Italian name on the label. Uh, but select the name came from the Latin root selectus, meaning the chosen. Um, so it, they were able to get approval to get it on the label, and then uh, a few years later, 
uh, the Italian government was kind of fighting them again to have it uh, Italianized. And the way that these two brothers were able to keep the name was they created an acronym out of the letters of the word select in Italian. So essentially, it's like a selection of herbs, liqueur, and then the Italian word for and is just the letter E, and citric and tartaric acid. Uh, wow. And that's how they were able to keep the name. And the name's been very important because it becomes a very international brand. And for people who are uh, American or are English speakers, they recognize it. Uh, so one of the reasons it became so popular. Uh, but Select has Select um, is based heavily on juniper berry. Uh, so you get this which, very- uh, Which is what draws me in immediately. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's the first thing you taste. It's, the, it's this bright, really fresh top note. Uh, and it keeps every drink that you make, whether it's a spritz or an Americano or even a Jungle Bird, it, it makes it very refreshing from kind of first taste to last. Uh, and then we use a lot of rhubarb root. So you get the sort of smoky, roasted, uh, bitter note. Uh, and then with the other th uh, 28 botanicals that are in it, um, the and the processes that we use for production, you get this really very wide dynamic uh, flavor profile. And, uh, it is 17 and a half percent, uh, alcohol. So it sits exactly in between Aperol and Campari. Um, so it, and then in terms of sweetness and bitterness, it's basically halfway in between two. So it's really, it's like a utility, uh, utility player. You can, you can make cocktails that you would typically use something much lighter, a uh, lighter aperitivo for, or you can, uh, you can make uh, a Negroni or a Paper Plane or a Jungle Bird or, or, or I'm sorry, a Negroni or, or a, uh, a Boulevardier or something like that. And it just sort of knocks uh, the edges off a little bit. So especially for somebody who uh, isn't necessarily um, a, a fan of the Negroni or wants to become a, f a fan but might have a, a proclivity for lighter things, uh, you can make a, a sort of kinder, gentler uh, Negroni with it as well. So it's really, it's really, really versatile. Yeah, I love the stuff. I've had it on the bar at Amore Margo as long as it's been available. Um, we use it uh, constantly. You know, we, we sort of categorize it along with the quote unquote red bitters. You know, it's up there uh, in that yep. same shelf where the, where the whole sort of size of my shelf is kind of pinkish, reddish colored. Um, but I think the things I really draw me to it are what, the two that you mentioned, honestly. Um, it's got that bright juniper note uh, followed by some, you know, rhubarb, Chinese rhubarb, which is, as you mentioned, uh, when when used heavily, like in a rhubarbaro, it comes off as quite smoky. Um, but when used lighter in something like an aperitivo, like Select, it's it's a little bit more, I don't know, it's just, it's got a rich, earthy quality that, yeah. that like really translates very well into cocktails. Yeah. And as far as, you know, as we know, uh, all, all of the brands in the category generally have a pretty dominant uh, citrus profile. And usually that skews more toward like a sweet orange, bitter orange. You get like the, the orange blossom kind of thing. Sure. With Select, I, I get much more of a sort of grapefruit, uh, kumquat, clementine sort of note. So it's, so it's that sort of deeper more kind of astringent, maybe, uh, maybe a, uh, a little bit of like, uh, uh, the bitter citrus oil, uh, kind of note. And I find that in cocktails, it gives, it really brings a lot of depth, uh, a lot of, a lot of character. Um, it makes it less fruit forward, I would say. Uh, and it's definitely, uh, it, it's definitely a little more herbaceous and savory. Sure. I think that's probably why in the original Venetian spritz, the traditional garnish is not a wedge of citrus, like orange. It's an olive, right? Like a Castrovano olive or what have you. Uh, yeah. I mean, for, for us, for sure. It's funny when you, you go to several cities in Italy um, and order a cocktail, it doesn't really matter what the cocktail is. They just plunk an olive into it uh, because it because they're preserved. So you don't have to worry about seasonality. Uh, it gives a little bite of food uh, with your with your cocktail, so a little sort of antipasto with your aperitivo, uh, and it brings a little saltiness as well. So it's kind of cool. It, you know, we we're in love with saline solution. Who needs it when you could just drop an olive in sure. and, and, and dirty up whatever it is that that you're making? Yeah, yeah but um, I, I also think that the olives 
there aren't like ours in the states are like really really overly briny. They're they're not as crazy briny over there. So it's, Agreed. it's more Agreed. refreshing. Yeah. And I will we, say though, I will say one of my favorite like tiny little like regional differences that hasn't really made it out of the spot where it's, you know, particularly popular is in Minnesota, if you wander into any dive bar and order a poor man's martini, you will get a light beer with about three or four olives in it and it's delicious. Nice. <laughs> the brinier the better. Yeah. For sure. I actually made um over quarantine, I made a riff on the jungle bird. Uh, made with select uh, and I put uh, a, a Castel Voltrano olive in as the garnish. Well, one half, it's a two part garnish because the drink was called the dirty Jersey bird. Uh, <laughs> so the, the two garnishes are the Castel Voltrano olive and a strategically placed middle finger. Um, <laughs> Be sure to garnish appropriately. Yeah. This yeah. is the, this is getting back to our, our earlier conversation about you know you have to make sure you have some really nice canapes, so like some really good thinly sliced prosciutto, <laughs> yeah. like Andy Cap's hot fries, or something <laughs> yeah, just exactly. served on the yeah. side. Uh, speaking of the Jungle Bird, uh, I would be remiss if I did not tell everybody that Select makes this might be controversial the best Jungle Bird out there. Um, cuts out any possibility of there being that acerbic, astringent kind of bite that can sometimes occur um, with the jungle bird. Uh, it just makes this really beautifully balanced, uh, very bright, again, maybe because of that, that juniper thing too, uh, version of that, of that drink. And it's really uh, delicious. Everybody should try it. Will do. Um, uh, listen, I want to go back a little bit and talk about your big old fancy title over there with Grupo Montenegro, <laughs> Director of Outreach and Engagement. Um, sounds like it could be either fun or maybe creepy. Uh, which way does it go? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I think you know a lot, of our, a lot of our listeners, of course, are in the biz, and I'm in the biz. And I, when I see these titles, and I think to myself, I don't know what the what the what the hell does that mean? You do. Uh, it means I reach out and I engage. Uh, it means that I get to, uh, I get to spend much of my days uh, traveling around the country and and hanging out with with bartenders, both uh, established and up and coming bartenders. Uh, it's it's a lot of education. It's a lot of storytelling and story sharing. Uh, it's um, creating and executing events both for trade and and for consumers too because if we're not bridging that gap then then we're not doing our jobs properly uh, but it's really just uh is keeping relationships uh as strong as possible and building new relationships on behalf of uh the brands within our portfolio uh, and and sort of the 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 company as a whole um to keep that that loyalty that we have which we're so grateful for and thank thankful for with Montenegro uh to to build that more so with uh with select with Vecchio Romagna which is an uh, our our Italian brandy love that stuff and other brands that we might have not the biggest the not, oh oh what is that are you leaking something <laughs> <laughs> Uh, love that brandy, by the way. I'm a big brandy fan. I think people know that about me. Um, uh, and, and, uh, it, it's hard to find though. And that crazy ass bottle, uh, it's yeah, sort of the three, three sided bottle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well it's, uh, hopefully it'll be, uh, become much more easy to find in the coming year. Um, just because, you know, it, it had not been, uh, a priority. It was only in the country, uh, in very small quantities up until, uh, basically last year. And then uh, we uh, launched a new expression last year. We have another one coming oh. uh, next year as well. Uh, so we're going to up our, our brandy game uh, for for sure. I think you should will... because right there, you've got three of the four components of a great cocktail. Um, uh, you know, uh, one and a half measure of the the brandy up against three quarters each of Montenegro and select along with some Dale DeGroff's pimento bitters uh, is a, is a great Negroni style cocktail that, that I, that I've made several times in the past. 
What a coincidence. I'm drinking one right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Dales that makes the difference. Uh, I don't know it what, is indeed. I don't know what bitters you got in there, but that, that pimento bitters really brings forward a lot of great uh, qualities in, in both the Montenegro and the Select. And uh, I've always said that Dales bitters is a, is a great pair for um, brandies of all sorts. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of pairs, uh, Ted, it must be really... I, I know we're kind of getting kind of time on time here, but I wanted to talk about this. I mean, like, especially with the, like the last five or so years, the low and no ABV category, it must be great working with Montenegro and select just based on that alone. Because mm-hmm. I know that as you know, when I was bartending a lot of times, especially if I was like guest bartending at someone else's spot, um, you know, there's kind of going back to what we're talking about, about like sharing the experience, you know, there's always like a cheeky or like a safety meeting or whatever you call it, you know, where the, the group gets together, you know, behind the bar and, has a shot every now and then during a shift and Montenegro became that pretty much across the board for all these bars that I was hopping behind. And I think mostly because, I mean, well, first of all, it's delicious, but it's pretty low in ABV compared to a lot of other spirits that you could be shooting during a shift behind the bar. Yeah, right? for sure. Uh, yeah. Montenegro is 23% alcohol. So it's, you know, effectively half uh, or less of um, some of the ones that we, we all know we have done too many shift meetings with. Um, <laughs> what's what's great? What, what's uh, great about it is that again, because uh, the the quality of the botanicals that we buy and use, uh, plus the 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 processes, we're able to extract so much aroma and so much flavor intensity um, out of the liquid, but keeping the alcohol low, and then you know balanced with with the right amount of, of sweetness that it's very satisfying it's very fulfilling and and it 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 drinks bigger than it is really right. so i um but i honestly uh i'm very happy to say that uh it has become such a, a bartender's handshake and and such a sort of a a shift shot so much so uh i hopefully i'm allowed to talk about this but mover and shaker just did a little sort of friendly competition um on instagram and montenegro beat fernet branca uh, and it is and uh, by a margin of 51 to 49 so believe you <laughs> me there will be a montenegro cocktail or uh, 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 a two uh, ingredient drink coming out pretty soon called the 5149 you can guess what <laughs> uh, the proportions are of what nice oh uh, uh, speaking of which i i must i have to mention uh, the we, we you talked about the Maserati before the Ferrari before uh, we have a fifty fifty which is uh, uh, equal parts mezcal and Montenegro. Uh, we we didn't get fancy with the name. We named ours after a, a delicious chocolate candy from all of our youth, uh, and we just call it the M M&M. and uh, But it's amazing because it's really becoming a, a, a bar phenomenon oh, around sure. the country. Uh, I like to know that I can walk into a, a, a punk dive bar in St. Pete, Florida and be corrected by the bartender when I say, Hey, can you make, can you make some shots of, uh, equal parts, mezcal and Montenegro? And the the guy looks at me, rolls his eyes. He's like, do you mean an M&M? Um, (laughs) that, that I can do that there. I can do it in Pittsburgh. I can do it in Milwaukee, uh, in various cities around the country really, you know, it shows a, how much, uh, Montenegro is, is, uh, it's got legs. Yeah. It's got legs for sure. And this, this little 50 50 uh, shot or on the rocks with an orange slice uh, is is absolutely delicious. It's like chocolate and peanut butter together. And it's yeah, also I, kind of a testament to like what the you were talking about the, the versatility of Select and obviously Montenegro. It goes really well with a lot of different things. It must be great to be rep- kind of uh, representing a brand or like a spirit rather that you kind of can't get tired of. You know, like if you were representing like one, like, I don't know, bourbon. I mean, I, I, I would probably get tired of it after a while, you know? And like with Montenegro, it, it pairs well with so many different things that it, I, I don't know, to me, it just never gets old. It's always fun to play with. And- I, I agree. Uh, and it's, and as I said, it's near and dear to my heart and liver. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that over quarantine, uh, if you, if you looked at my Instagram at all, I was making candles, I was making yeah, I lamps that. out of the bottles and things. That's because I had, shit tons of empty bottles around my house because <laughs> yeah. I was drinking, I, I was drinking a bottle at, you know, a week at least. 
because it's so sessionable. It's so easy. Yeah, that uh, lower ABV point. It's, yeah. it's, it's sessionable is the exact word, you know. And I think that's the way that you know largely Italians imbibe Amari. You know, I think here in America we're trapped in this situation of like I want to get bang for my buck. So if it's going to cost me the same price, I want something that's three times the ABV or you know, we have happy hour where, where drinks are half price for a short amount of time. And you just get trashed and go home. They have aperitivo hour. Drinks are all the same price, but they come with a snack, you know, yep. um, and you hang out and you chat with your friends. You're not just trying to race to the to the goal. Yeah, the idea of with aperitivo hour, it's like a celebration of conviviality, camaraderie, right. hospitality. And you're meant to, you know, you're unwinding out of a day and then preparing for kind of more uh, leisurely, more meaningful time with your family. So you're, you're drinking something that's rejuvenating and reviving rather than something that's going to get you, uh, trash two for one with a big plate of shitty wings. Right. <laughs> those, um, but those are the best wings. When you're, of course, when you're at that level, <laughs> like they're Listen, the best. When, when no one's looking, that's where I am. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, for years, uh, back in the very early days of Amore Margo, we kept a bottle behind the bar that was already mixed just 50-50 of Blanco tequila and Montenegro. And we called that the full Monte. And that was our sort of mm. parting shot or giveaway or, our, you know, handshake or, or VIP for our friends that came in. So I, I, it, it's, I think it's cool for me to see that the, you know, the trend towards Mezcal uh, swept over that um, and took it to, to the M&M world. And I, I think it's great. Like, I love... I love anything that puts Amaro uh, in the spotlight for people um, because I still think it's such a man. It's hard to say it after, after this long of, of being out there and, and being a champion of the category, but it's still burgeoning, you know, people, it's still not super common for people. For sure. Um, and I think you and I share a, a similar sentiment when it comes to that. I think what we, have all done a very successful job at is getting the industry to embrace and understand the, the category and the rituals of, of drinking and how and why they're traditionally consumed, but also showing what incredibly uh, unique and versatile cocktail ingredients they make. And over the last 10 or 15 years, like when Souther and Damon, when you and I, and all of us were, were coming up, um, through the ranks, we watched this unfold and go from there being a dozen Amaro brands available to now, you know, 80, 90, a hundred or so commercially available on the, um, in our market. And, but it's the same thing is now happening with consumers. Uh, but probably three, four years behind that. But, uh, you know, so we're, we're, I think we're making the, the, transition now and also what's very exciting is the aperitivo category the red bitter category is now doing what amaro did yeah. uh, a decade ago uh, because more and more brands are coming in um, to the market and bartenders and bev managers and and psalms are understanding that between aperol and campari there's this enormous void of variances in flavor profiles and, and different ingredients used in different uh, uh, textures and things that is yet to be kind of uncovered. So with Select, we're, we're very happy to be getting into it at an early stage and introducing people to something that is so well-made and has so much history uh, that, can, that can kind of uh, pick up the middle ground in terms of the, um, that category. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think I think it's outstanding that someone like you is at the sort of helm of this. Um, you yeah. know, you're you're obviously quite interested in education of, of yourself. Um, you know, you've you've taken you were in the inaugural class of uh, bar. Uh, and you've you've taken several of the psalm classes. You're you've written a book. Like it's 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 plain and apparent to me as someone who knows you to see that education is at the forefront of your approach to this field. Um, and even people who don't know you, it's um, uh, it's it's got to be apparent as well. So really appreciate you taking some time out to teach us some stuff and to teach our listeners some stuff yeah, as well. For sure. Um, what? Uh, where can people follow or get a hold of you? You mentioned your Instagram. You want to pimp that out a little bit? Sure. Uh, I am Tad Tipling on Instagram. I think pretty much whatever social media platform I'm on, it's under Tad Tipling, T-I-P-P-L-I-N-G. Uh, harks back to my days as, as uh, a Tipling brother. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, when you wrote your book, Tipling Brothers, yep. uh, uh, a lime and a shaker, right? Yep. Um, a great book uh, to on my shelf somewhere, I'm sure. Um, well, listen, man, really appreciate you taking your time out to talk to us about Amaro Montenegro and Aperitivo Select um, and educate us a little bit about those things. And then also just educate us about, you know, what it is you do behind the scenes as a, as a you know, a, a brand representative. Um, and yeah, couldn't, couldn't be more thankful for your time. Well, I am honored to, uh, to share this time with you guys. I thank you very much for inviting me um, and for loving Montenegro and hopefully select soon, Damon, uh, yep. with, uh, with as much uh, zeal as you do. And hopefully we've turned some people on to uh, finding out more about both, uh, both of which can be uh, found on, on Instagram. Uh, and we have some websites too. I think there's information. Um, I don't attention. <laughs> you can be found on the interweb. Okay, great. Yeah. That's good to know. It's a series of tubes. <laughs> well, we'll stand by anxiously awaiting your your uh, uh, hinted at leak of maybe something new coming our way. We'll have you back on the show to talk about that when, when and if that happens. Uh, but really appreciate your spending some time with us today on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, Tad, really nice hearing your voice, buddy. Uh, it's been too long, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we got to do this today. I know you're busy uh, reaching out and and – you know, <laughs> doing all your stuff. So, engaging. Uh, engaging, yeah. Yeah. engaging yes. so, uh, yeah. so it's been, been a pleasure. Um, and you as well. And, uh, I believe that, uh, in the next month or so, I will be, uh, on your coast, uh, very nearby where you might be hanging your hat these days. Yeah. So come by the, uh, California sure branding house. Yeah. Reach out and engage. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, that's it for the show this week. Check out Heritage Radio Network for many more programs like this one. Click on the beating heart to donate to the station. Keep us rocking and rolling. Check out Montenegro and Select. Until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs>